Today is March 20th while you're listening, March 19th while we are recording. It's 11, 11 at night. Ooh, make a wish. This episode of Lobsters Talking Baseball. You forgot to make a wish. I've <laughs> given up on all wishes. Yeah, <laughs> wishes are done. It. Don't believe them. Wishes don't. are done. Can't even talk. We've had a long day. We're baked. We're tired. We're not baked as in high. We're baked as in the sun baked us. Got but some aloe vera. Well, let's say this right away. We this interview, this podcast will end, and we will go to it quickly. A Ryan Rucco interview, great interview conversation we had. That was really fun. We will throw it to that soon. But first, let's recap the day a little bit. Big day for us. Another fourth day in a row. Jake's last day in Tampa, and it has been action packed every day. Today we woke up. Actually, had some time. Some free time for needed a that needed that to reboot. Do I have Tyler Wade hair right now or just ugly gross hair? You got the UG hair, which is sh- uh, short for ugly <laughs> gross. <laughs> all right, I'll take it. Tyler Wade's hair is pretty nice. Sucks he has to cover it up all the time because he kind of looks like you with a hat on, and then he takes the hat. You yeah, so your face and Tyler Wade's somewhat similar, but his hair shows how much hair can do for an average face. Because he's super handsome. You're, what, three out of eight? So, yeah, I mean, the morning you were editing stuff. Yeah, editing stuff. You, okay. We were kind of recovery mode. Our intern was pretty beat up. First day he had energy. Don't think I liked him with energy. Yeah, he cleaned the whole room and shit. All right, anyway, up to the stuff. We went to the the field, and we did trivia for a really long time. We had a lot of prizes. A lot of trivia. A lot of trivia questions. Those will be out. I don't know. Maybe I'll put some on the podcast. Definitely will be on the website, TalkingYanks.com, and will be on the YouTube and all social medias. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully we got some of the people we gave shirts and trivia stuff to listening today. Any good trivia? Like, we had a lot of funny, fun people come around. There was one guy, an older gentleman, who we said, this is going to be a hard one, and he responded, I haven't been hard in 40 years. <laughs> Yeah. And his daughter was in the crowd. Yeah, with his daughter. (laughs) He had a couple daiquiris. Johnny Walker Red. Johnny Walker Red is what he had. That was pretty funny. I I really liked, I guess we could talk about this. I really liked we did a name four of the ten Yankees captains. Yeah, you liked that question. I like that a lot. Because it makes you hesitate because you know there's been a lot of great Yankee players that aren't captains. So it's a little tricksy. The trick, the most most gotcha journalism question we gotcha. had was, gotcha. was Babe Ruth ever a captain of the Yankees? I think one person got it right, and they were just high Guessing. as hell. Because it's yes for five days, then he got thrown out at second base and disagreed with the call, so he picked up dirt and <laughs> threw it in the umpire's face. <laughs> which just picture Times that. are better. Picture that. Times are better, like man. That umpire, what are you doing, man? You probably make no money. Dirt <laughs> thrown in your face. Why am I watching these guys play baseball? <laughs> Little penis cap on your head. <laughs> Barely getting paid for this. <laughs> and then a fan heckled Babe Ruth because he got ejected from the game, and Babe Ruth grabbed his bat and chased that fan in the stands, and the Yankees said, hey, babe, you know what? That captaincy we gave you five days ago, don't think so. It's kind of, times change. Rand, I think Randall Simon was the guy who hit one of the Milwaukee Brewer sausages with a bat when they were doing the sausage race. He got like, I think he kind of got blackballed from the game. He wasn't a huge talent. Babe Ruth, best baseball player ever. Yeah. So that's tough. I'm trying to think of what, what other good ones were there. 
A surprising... We thought Derek Jeter's middle name would be an easy one. Sanderson. And it's one of those things, you hear it twice and you kind of memorize it. That's it. If it's either you've heard it, so you know it, or you've never heard it, so you don't know it at all. So the people are like, that's easy? Come on. Yeah. Well, it is easy, so shut up. So we did a lot of trivia. A lot Gave of trivia. some shirts, some mugs, a couple jerseys, affordablejerseys.com. Affordablejerseys.com. The that sent us here. They are the sponsor of this podcast, and the reason we are in spring training right now, head to affordablejerseys.com. They are Yankees mm-hmm. jerseys. They have all jerseys, other teams too. If for some reason you're listening to this podcast and you're not a Yankees fan, A, yeah. thank you. B, you're a weirdo. Cool. Go to affordablejerseys.com. But Yankees jerseys is a big catch because they don't have the names on the back. Players don't wear them on the field with the names, Jakey Bear. So you shouldn't wear them because it's weird. You know, that's the first time in my life I've ever called you Jakey yeah, Bear. Yeah, I don't think I like Jakey Bear. Jakey Cub? No, see, Cause that's you, worse. Because that's, that's what I picture thinking when people say Jakey Bear because they don't picture Big Bear. No, they picture like a little Because you can't picture me as a Big Bear, yeah, so they already yeah. jumped to Cubs so it's Jakey <laughs> Cub. Yeah. So no. No Jakey Bear. Yeah. <laughs> that's tough for you. What else do we think we got? We did live play-by-play for the entire game, and it... Thank <laughs> you. It Let was, me cut you off. Yeah. Which is what good play by play people do. Shout out to Kay, Ruko, Susan Waldman, John no, Sterling. John Sterling mostly, because they do. We were gassed. All the TV people, they let it breathe a little bit, but we were doing right. radio, trying to do radio yeah. podcasts today. They also take commercials off. We were answering questions right. from fans during commercials. Was like our- it was literally uh, two hours and. 15 minutes straight of us talking to people and we had people on the periscope listening live and this is something we want to do in the future and we want to figure out how to do it legally because right now we're not doing it totally legally right so if you enjoyed that i think if we just do it by ourselves during the game but not at the game i don't know conversation mm-hmm. for another time yes but that thanks was, for everyone who watched yeah it was really fun so i think actually we fell into a lot of more like solid conversations about game and the strategy and the pitchers and that stuff. And we didn't even go into that many jokes, which I think is usually what we would sell it as like, yeah, we're going to be fun and light and like go on some riffs, but we're answering questions from fans. It was really fun. Uh, My voice, this is the most I've ever talked. Yeah. Yesterday we we did two interviews, a podcast, uh, live videos, reviews. We've done a podcast every night. Today we talked for an entire game. Yesterday we talked for an entire game too with two interviews. I've never talked this much. I had, to, I had to go by, uh, what are they called? Halls. Halls. Throat, throat lozenges. Throat lo- lozenges is a tough name. Why don't That's they just brutal. call them like throat sucky things? <laughs> All right. The game Glad itself. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> the game itself was bullpen day. David Hale started. Best you game, best s- weather. You got to say David Hale. Many people probably don't even know who he is, but he was impressive today. Is he triple A, double A? Something like that. Good stuff. He was hitting mid-90s on the gun. He had a good breaking ball. He He's supposed to be in line for the rotation. I made a comment on the broadcast that... Well, if injuries, he was named as someone who could come up. You've right. been in line down the, a couple of years down. I Excuse me. I meant he could be in line for a spot start, just depending on injuries and how the roster goes, because some of the big prospects they're not going to bring up for just one start. So he might just be a one-start kind of guy where Chance Adams, Justice Sheffield, they'd want to bring them up and make sure they get three to five starts so that they don't just get crushed for it. We'll see. He's 30 years old. 
Wow. Tough for David Hale. Not a big prospect for us. All right. We have a question on the live feed. Uh, yeah. Yankee 1992. He said, I don't see the Yankees having a 13th pitcher, pitcher on the roster, do you? Okay. Well, Justin, thanks for watching. I appreciate that, actually, Justin. Do. Justin L.I. King asks, the Yankees, he doesn't think the Yankees will have a 13th pitcher on the roster. This is something people are talking about. And I will give my long-winded answer right now. Usually the first two weeks of the season include a lot of off days because you have to count for rainouts on opening day. So you put an off day after that. This allows teams to go to a four-man rotation for the first couple weeks. Most teams do this. The Yankees are playing in Toronto where it's a dome. There's no rainouts. There's no off days. They play a lot of games right away to start the season. They don't get to go to a four-man rotation. They don't get to give starting pitchers breaks. This means... The starting pitching may be more taxed, and you don't want to tax them in the first two weeks. You want to give them, if you were to say, hey, let's lean on the edge of overusing them or underusing your starting pitchers, you're definitely going to lean on underusing. It's the first week of the season. A lot of times you see guys that have no hitters on the line of perfect games, but it's the first week. You're not going to let them go all nine. That would be silly. It would be a mistake. So for this reason, because they will be overtaxing the starting pitchers more than other teams and more than usually because all five pitchers have to pitch, because we have a loaded schedule, I think maybe for the first week or two weeks, they may go with 13 pitchers, the extra guy in the bullpen, to help out. Also, Ellsbury's hurt, which leaves the bench as Drury, Wade, Walker, Toe, four guys that can play multitudes of positions. You have Wade and you have Drury who can play the corner outfield spots, so you're not losing that much versatility on bench. You're just losing guys, like numbers-wise, pinch hitters, and we have a starting nine that is so strong, you're not going to use a lot of pinch hitters. There's my long-winded answer. I could see them going to 13 guys, but only for a week or two. I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying that would be the logic behind going to 13. Yeah. There we go. That's the second time I've done that spiel today, so I had it down pretty good. Yeah, we'll see. I, the only thing I'd add, I mean, Torres and Wade, this could actually hurt Wade with Neil Walker showing stuff and Wade being our super, super util. Um, we'll see. I My thing would be in the first couple weeks would be just they they can do some flexible roster stuff, which we'll, which we'll watch. I, we'll go back, back to today's game. David Hale, turns out he's a little older than we thought, but... Uh, this actually plays more that if we need a spot start, they might put him on the 40 man and then DFA him or something like that. So you could see him get a spot start or something like that for the Yankees this year. Let's go around the horn. Austin Romine played some solid defense, had a nice play. Don't think he did anything at the dish. Don't think he did anything at the dish either. Hit some hit some fly balls. First base, Tyler Austin, I believe he had a single. Nothing special defensively. Nope. feel like he had a couple runners on base that he didn't get home. His single moved a runner up. Yeah, his single moved a runner up, but it was a ground ball. It was a double play ball that he beat out, I, th- I think, because they came off the bag or something like that. Second base, Torres. He had a couple base hits today. Two hits. Put Pretty the ball. Put Torres the bats show. on the ball. Hits a single. One skill guy. He does it. I like Torres. We'll, we'll skip Didi I like for him. a second. I think he is what he is. We'll skip Didi for a second because this leads into another conversation. Tyler Wade played third today, which we just mentioned the super utility fact about him. We haven't seen too much or any of him at third, potentially. But this leads into a whole conversation of people think Tyler Wade's starting opening day at second base. If that was true, Torres can play third. Why wouldn't they have Tyler Wade playing second? I don't know. Could just be, and this is where it turns into spring training again. This could be nothing. Maybe they've had this penciled in for two weeks now that Tyler Wade would be playing third today. 
maybe this is something. Maybe they're training him for the super utility role. Yep, I think it's just to get his versatility. Because, like you're saying, we know Toe can play third, and we know like it's not like we needed to see what Toe can do at second. So the reason Wade is at third seems to be so you can keep him well rounded at all the positions and 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 see that yes he can and answer yes he can he, he made, made a nice really play. nice play coming in bare hand throw the guy out of first Luke our intern who's reading the Instagram live questions I feel like you have two for us quick one quick one from Sam Grisano family friend do you did you guys in person have an opinion on who is more handsome judge or guard I know you've talked about judge's size more handsome more handsome judge's size is super impressive but I don't know in like a physically attractive way kind of like all way like you see a moose and you're like holy shit that moose is big but it's not like you're looking at a wild <laughs> horse which is beautiful <laughs> wow I did not see that plot twist coming but Gardner has an alien head. Gardner takes yeah. Hat. Gardner it, takes his hat off, and you're like, "Holy shit, man! How'd you fit that in that hat?" In a nice way, neither of them are naturally beautiful. They're athlete beautiful. Judge has the size. Like girl, any girl would right. probably be like, "Yeah, I'd love Judge," just because he's so big and also a superstar and very good at baseball. They get that tilted neck. Or they just look up. How tall are you? I don't get that. Apparently, you never hear about the tilted neck down. No. How short are you? No. Yeah, my boyfriend's so short. Yeah. <laughs> we Fair heard that on the person. Knicks, Knicks from a Nick Swartzen stand. All right, second question. Rusty. What's up, Rusty? Are you worried about Giancarlo and Lefty? Yeah, I am. Yes, I am. Yeah. We saw him in person. And oh, the question was because Luke doesn't have a mic. Are we worried about Giancarlo and Leftfield? We kind of talked about this yesterday, right? Yeah, a little bit. And it's all a blur we, we for saw me. It. He, he doesn't look natural. And yeah. that's fine. It's Long- part of the growing process. You can't compare it to Judge right now because we don't know if they're strategically hiding Judge or not or Judge's confidence or any of that. I At this point, I give Giancarlo all the credit in the world because he's out there playing when he doesn't have to be. Yeah, and it's the balls that were tailing away that we saw in person, that two of them, and he just – it was like he misjudged it. And baseball is so tough because he's – he was each play. He was a half step away from making those, and we'd be saying, "Oh, Giancarlo Stan's already making plays and left." Maybe, maybe Brett Gardner moves to a bench role. Then, then the Twitter crazies start coming out and all that stuff. So, I, Giancarlo looks a little. I mean, he looks athletic. He's he's obviously <laughs> a lot more athletic than myself. <laughs> But was that were you questioning that for a second? Le- if when if and when they roll out one of those guys in left field, the in baseball the ball seems to find you. It's gonna, and I I would expect some. We'll see a little bit of chaos out there. I'm not worried to the point where I think we should totally give up on the experiment. No, no, no. no. But it's not like if he made two nice plays, you'd be like, okay, cool, great. We don't even have to worry about. Do you this. think? I think it's now okay. How this. about this? Do you think we see a judge or stand in left field early in the season, or do you think they do something like save it for maybe the first National League thing, like a National League away game, so it's not a Yankee Stadium? They're kind of protected, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we were just we're going to try it at a National League thing to I, get those I, guys in." Yeah, I can see that. I don't think they're going to. I think Gardner plays every game in left field at Yankee Stadium. His defense saves runs. Yeah, especially Yankee Stadium. That's a great point. Definitely going to be a road game the first time we see it. How yep. about that? Yep. All right, back to the game at hand. We saw Judge Judge in right field. He made a nice play. He had a nice double, 
And a nice single. And then a strikeout to end the game. He's a beast. We talked about this this morning. I think the biggest dude I've seen in person. And like that kind of. Oh, yeah. I like, s- I'm seen, counting NBA guys. I've seen JJ Watt like up close in person, like said hi. I've seen Nick Mangini. And, and and we're taking out fat people because like you go to Little Italy, you right, see some job of the whales, and you're like, "Oh, that's a big guy." <laughs> we're not doing that. But not fat big guys. He's the biggest human machine. He looks like a um, really big guy. I think my new theory is he's closer to six eight. <laughs> that was huge thing. I think he's close. People, you can be deceptive about height. Like I am. Yeah, I'm five six to five nine. I think in baseball, when you get to a certain height, I you don't want to be that high. Bro- I saw that joke from my brother in law. I think Judge is like six eight, and he's the thick. However many C's you want to use, he's three, the three. thickest six eight guy you've ever with seen. muscle I've ever seen. Cool. What so, do you think people say about you? How about that? They You're say kind of he's a pretty thick. <laughs> 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 Never mind. Let's, All right. After Judge, the- Judge looked great. Who's in center day? Hicks. Hicks was guess hitting. Wasn't pretty. Hicks scares me, Good man. defense. Kind of. Made the plays in the end, so yeah. I feel like going into the season, there's a yellow flag up on Hicks. In our brains. A, a hot start would be huge for him. I agree. A cold start. And everyone else. A cold team. start starts a lot of conversations. Giancarlo in left. Gardner in center. People start yelling, Clint Frazier. Where's Smellsberry? Clint Frazier. Am I saying that right? And then rounding out, Brett Gardner. When we've seen him this spring, he's looked tough at the dish. He's had the angry Brett Gardner personality. It's nothing you're worried about. Um, Gardner's being Gardner. That rounds out the Yanks. We'll today. go to the pitchers in a second, well, Luke. Giancarlo played DH, and he struck out a few times. Didn't look great. No, he looked pretty – he, needs, he was needs struck start. out, then flied out, then ground – then flied out. Two flyouts and two strikeouts. Snell, Snell, who Jake and I give a lot of shit on the Rays yeah. because he's kind of ugly and he sniffs all the time like that, and his name's Snell, so Snell, smell, sniff, all the same thing. He looks like a sniffing dog detective. He was not scared of Giancarlo at all. He was pitching around Judge to get to Giancarlo and then getting Giancarlo out with ease. Yeah. And it's and like, you're Blake Snell. You pitch for the Tampa Rays. Why aren't you scared of this guy? Yeah. Snell's got the good stuff, too. The good stuff, they say. He's lefty. He was hitting 98 today. Former top draft pick. Uh, if he figures out his control stuff, he's going to be tough for Tampa until they have to trade him away to a real team. I yell at Blake Snell a lot. That's what I was just going to say. I've said some comments. In the later innings, we got better seats. We went right behind the Rays' dugout. Some little kids were yelling because Carlos Gomez hit a home run. And they were yelling, Carlos Gomez, great home run, great hit. No, I think it sounded more and like then this. Carlos Gomez, great home run, great hit. Okay. And then Snell was next to him, and they were like, oh, that's Snell. We want to say something. So just just kind of rolling with it, they got all excited, and they were like, Snell, great hit today, great hit. But and then they caught more, themselves. It was and a little then, more like this. Snell. <laughs> okay, that's not a good running joke. And then and then they were like, they caught themselves. So they were like, Snell, great hit, great Oh, great, great start, great start. So Snell just, because Cargo turned, and I think it turned into like, well, if Cargo's going to turn, I got to turn in now to mm-hmm. kids too. But he turned when they said great hit. So he gave himself like a little, like under his breath, like, come on, guys, like, I'm I'm really trying out here. I'm the pitcher. And then, so he started to turn, and I gave him, like, yeah, dude, <laughs> great hit. <laughs> great hit today. And he turned, and he gave a really cool, he's like, what can I say, guys? I'm a great hitter. Yeah. So, so now we like Snell. Snell went up in my book. 
still don't like his mound mannerisms. He had a bad, he had like a bad goatee like our intern has. <laughs> so, Any questions? It's tough. Any more questions, Luke? One fun one is, do you guys think Stanton will have a special roll call response? I think he's athlete funny, so I think he, I think he's going to just do something super, like, basic, just like. I, the flex, the flex would play. Yeah. That starts turning into shirts and stuff. Gardner's is good because he's not a big, strong guy. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he's a ball of muscle. What does Judge do? I don't even know. I do know, but I can't think of it. Yes, another question? The other one, we've talked about it before, but it's, uh, does Severino deserve to be the Yankees opening day starter? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> the next guy pitches the next day. Yeah. So, who cares? And yes. If you believe in that crap, yes. And he deserves yes. Okay, and Tanaka deserves it as well. So, yeah. and even CeCe for, for like, okay. okay. Yeah. I don't get me wrong. Done. Uh, Canely came in thickest thighs in the world Pitched pretty good right. Chad Green came in I just am super impressed by Chad Green His whole mannerism The way he can blow a fastball got by a guy at 93 And it looks like it's 100 Patances, let's talk mostly about Patances He looked really good Patances looked good He dropped, He made uh, your boy, your your new favorite player, Robertson Number 28, second baseman Look like an absolute chump He did Three straight knee buckles. This is, and I, I was going off on the live feed because this is what happened. He did three straight knee buckles on curveballs. Like what I did when I was 14, it was the first time I ever saw a curveball. And I was like, what is that wizardry that right. defies gravity? This shouldn't be allowed. And I was like, I quit baseball. Right. He, his knees were buckling up a Tansis curveball in that same manner, which means he thought the ball was about to hit him or like be really inside. And then like, you know what I mean? Like he had he, the fear. He had the fear. He totally misread he had the fear. it. Then he was arguing with the ump that they, that was the weird that part. it wasn't strikes. And it's like, dude, how can you argue with the ump that those aren't strikes when you didn't have a read on it so badly that your knees were buckling? It doesn't commute. Like Only the ump just, just say, dude, your knees buckled. So you don't know where that pitch was. And, only thing that could possibly save Robertson is if there was audio there and he's doing the ump and he's doing the arguing mannerisms, but he's just going, how am I supposed to hit that? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? That's good. So that was good. And I, the other huge thing of note, did all those guys go two innings? I know uh, Canely did, but Tansis did. I'm pretty well, sure. I, think I don't Snell know went, if Chad We could Green... look this up and not be wrong, but I think Snell went. Th- I would think, uh, what's his fucking face? 30-year-old. Hale. I think he, Hale, Hale went three. I think Canely went... Canely definitely went two. Two. Chad Green... I feel like Chad went one. One. I'm running out of hands. Warren went oh, the ninth. Oh, man. Warren went the ninth, which leaves the Tansis at two. Yeah, so Green went one. Which is interesting. I think they're stretching out. I think the current thing in the bullpen is baseball's changing. If you're going to be one of the stud relievers in this pen, you have to be able to go two innings. All right. Yes, I agree. We're at 20 minutes, and we have a 40-minute Adam Warren got lit up, lost the game at the end. Yeah, <laughs> Adam Warren. Such the Adam Warren move. Who cares? It's spring. Um, the only other thing I want to say is the Yankees scout and Lee Mazzilli do codes to each other after every single pitch, and I don't know what they mean, but it was super cool. I don't know if we should be telling that stuff. If we, some chump dumb fans in the stands, see what's happening, the Rays. What'd you call me? Huh? Chump dumb fan? Yeah. It's tough. Well, I called. I we were a group. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Okay. Any questions from the live feed before we uh, toss it to Ruka? 
Why? <laughs> Gruden impression. Okay. A lot of Gruden. Oh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Julia Trump. Come on. That's awesome. We'll wake up the whole hotel. <laughs> <laughs> just blew away Luke the intern with that. Okay, and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it to Rocco with, with Gruden. Rocco. All right, kick it to Rocco with Gruden. I got to tell you what, man. I've seen a lot of these yes guys. I don't know what the baseball's about, but I've seen Michael K. Okay. Susan Waldman. All right. But I got to tell you, this Rocco kid, if he keeps it up, <laughs> I love this guy. Joining us next, we have 2008 Marty Glickman Award winner Ryan Rucco on the phone. Thank you so much for calling in. Oh, I'm so glad I got the Glickman introduction. Yes. That's big. That's very nice. I love it. You know, when I was at Fordham, uh, that was like that was our mass daddy of, uh, of awards, and, the, and Marty Glickman's style of play-by-play is the style that we were taught. So I, um, I don't know that I've ever been introed with it before, but I can say this is already my favorite interview because of it. Yes, man, that's funny because we saw it and we're like, oh, that would be a great intro. And then we saw how prestigious we, it was. We were like, oh, shoot. <laughs> like, that's that's awesome. <laughs> like, it went from joke to like, wait, maybe he's actually going to be on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a little bit of, it's, it, it is uh, an honor and there's also some humor in it. So I think, you know what, we're off to a good start. All right, great. Well, I want to get back into Fordham and some of that stuff. But first, I want to get into in the booth. In the last year, you've had a lot of good, fun moments when you're in the booth calling games. I got three for you that I want you to rank. Okay. We got Judge's home run in Seattle, okay. the the brawl in Detroit, and Nancy Morano's guest appearance. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to say it's funny, too, because, like, I mean, all those moments were so fun. And, uh, my producer for all those moments was uh, Troy Benjamin, who's our backup producer on uh, on Yankees, to Bill Bolin. And Bill was joking with Troy the other day, and he's like, man, every time you do a game, something happens. Like, things just happen. And I think it's like the same thing has been happening with me. It's like every time I'm doing a game, something happens. Troy and I are, are attracting these, uh, these, like, unusual but awesome and fun circumstances. So I would say if I had to rank those, I would put Judge's home run first just because, like, that was, it, it was just so shockingly ridiculous. And, it, you know, that call, I, I you know, I've, I've gotten to do a lot of awesome games and fun moments and stuff between the hoops I do for, for Nets and NBA on ESPN and then, you know, the WNBA Finals or whatever and then the Yankee stuff. I don't think I've ever had more people hear a call than that judge home run. Like I still get crazy reaction to it. And Aaron would joke about, joke about it with me a little bit too. So I I would say that moment would be my number one, just because it was like, you know, it's his just sheer power. And, and I I always remember Coney at the end of it going, (laughs) OMG. And Cody being like, he just, he just took a shot at hitting it out of the stadium, you know? And like, and that was, it was like that sheer amazement that judge induces. So I put that first. I think I put the Nancy Morano moment second <laughs> because it was so ridiculously unique and funny and like the way it developed. And I'll tell you guys a part of it that, you know, wasn't on air, but so, you know, you heard as, and you, you did the video for it. You know, you played, 
you heard her say, is Ryan Rucco there? And then she was actually sticking her hand inside the window that was open to our booth and tapping. And so Coney, Coney was sticking his hand out and tapping back. And you know, this is before we knew who it was. And so they're going back and forth, tapping, 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 tapping. And that's why Dave, if you listen to the clip, he alludes to, I was toying with her and she was relentless because she was like tapping inside the booth. So finally... When we showed her on camera, I got in talk back, and I said to our producer and director, I said, I know who that is. That's my fourth grade teacher. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you got to say that. And then they're like, you got to say hello. So, I mean, it was just one of those really unique, cool moments. And the brawl was awesome, too, because it was a legitimate brawl. The guys were fired up about it. Uh, they actually looked at it as some kind of a benchmark for, for cohesion moving forward as a group. So that was definitely an awesome and memorable moment too but I, I would put that third in the three i have some follow-up questions for all of them actually <laughs> yeah. oh, good. all right so we'll go nancy morano first because that's the funniest one <laughs> is there was there contact afterwards like did does she know that she went kind of somewhat viral in baseball world she does she does we uh, uh we facebook messaged afterwards which is the i think most appropriate mode of communication <laughs> for former elementary school that you've had and she, uh, she was, she loved it. Like, cause you know, my mom, I was talking to her and she's like, is she going to be okay? Like, uh, you know, she got a lot of airtime. I hope she's not like embarrassed or whatever. She's okay with it, but she loved it. And she was so sweet and she got a huge kick out of it. And, and she's always uh, super nice and complimentary of me and, and watching, uh, you know, the stuff I get to do uh, through my work. So she was just like, I think she just got a kick out of getting to share in that moment and, and really making that incredible TV moment just by just by being a teacher who wanted to say hi to one of her students. <laughs> yeah, I wish there was video on you and Coney after the very first time you hear her yell, is Ryan Rocco there? Because it's 20 seconds of silence, and I know you guys were probably just laughing back there. We were cracking up. <laughs> you, you know, yes, we were hysterically laughing because – you know, the thing is, like, down there, it's obviously it's such an intimate setting, right? But you're not quite sure, like, what... Sometimes you're not sure, like, did I just hear that or was that on the crowd mic to the audience, too, you know? So we're both cracking up, and, and if I was 100% certain that, the, that you guys had heard it watching at home, I would have probably, like, addressed it sooner, even through the laughter. But I wasn't... You know, I was like, did I just hear that with my own ears here? Or was that like into the, you know, into the crowd mic? But we, me and David both were like trying not to laugh on air for, yeah, a good 20 seconds or so after that. And then my producer, Troy, said, he was like, hey, man, everybody just heard that. So you might as well say Ryan Rucco here. And, and <laughs> I was like, all right, cool, I will. So That's good. So the yeah. producer's got a lot of going on. That's crazy. Oh, absolutely, man. It's a team effort, man. Like, it's funny because when, uh, when you prepare for a broadcast, you kind of do it in a silo uh, in those days leading up to the game. And so you, it feels like there's more of a weight. And then the cool part of it is when you get in to perform, and even in, like, a meeting that day or whatever, you know, you realize just how expansive your team is that you're working with and how much lighter your load is than it seemed as you were preparing and uh, yes, we just have incredible people that can make those real-time decisions like that to help aid you through when your fourth-grade teacher comes to the booth. <laughs>
does everyone's eyes light up when something like that happens? Because I know me and Jimmy are kind of new to the game. I've been joking around. We have our intern. It's actually Jimmy's little brother who's been filming us and that <laughs> kind of stuff. But when we when we do something creative or kind of fun and we're like, wow, people are going to like this. Like, our, You just see it in our faces that our eyes light up. Is, is that pretty much what happens with you guys when something like that happens? Definitely. Definitely. I think uh, no question about it. Like there's when you're on the air as often as people are who do baseball, right? There's a real appreciation for the unique. And because, you know, so much of our crew is working, you know, hundreds of games and it's or whatever, 150 games throughout the course of the year or whatever it might be. And so obviously there's a ton of repetition. Now, obviously, there's also a lot of unique things happen within a game, but like there's going to be a lot of routine ground balls to short this year, you know, and they like they are never that interesting and they get less interesting (laughs) when you've seen 1,020 of them, you know? So when you get those totally, we call them like, you know, great TV moments, you really appreciate them and have fun with them. And they almost stoke the fire uh, of, of your, you know, enjoyment and and they renew that energy uh, and appreciation for what we get to do. So I, I know the entire crew, like was like oh man that was awesome and that's all all any of us were talking about after the game was just that moment how cool it was and how unique it was i love when the yes network's good at it too when there's something like silly happening i remember last year a guy was delivering a tray full of food that should have never been carried by one man himself and just struggling to keep everything on the tray and michael k and kenny were given play-by-play of him trying not to drop the cookies (laughs) as he brought it to the first row yeah you gotta fun with that stuff you know and like and i mean michael's so so quick and so witty and he'll always adjust to those kind of circumstances and our crew knows that like yeah while the game always is the priority and takes precedence like it's okay to have fun and and in fact it's incredibly necessary over the course of a long season and people at home want to have fun with those moments too so you kind of you have to indulge in them when they appear because they're not always going to present themselves yeah, and then and then sometimes it's off the field stuff. Sometimes it's Judge hitting a monster home run in Seattle, which brings me to my next question. <laughs> you crushed that call. I mean, and it, and it's amazing because you're you're witnessing something you've never seen before, and most people get their words taken away, and you have to say words perfectly. And to absolutely crush that call was, it went viral all over baseball. Like you said, everyone's seen it. Now, Thank you, man. I know that. One of your first, and I wish I remembered better, one of your first home run calls, you tried to do a home run call for Didi, I think it was, and he was. He said you had to change it. Is that a story you told on R2C2? So, so well, so what happened was um, when I, the first years that I did play, I so you guys may or may not know, but I used to do the in-house hosting at Yankee State. Oh, oh yeah, I got some stuff with yeah. Lined up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. So, and when I used to do the highlights, I used to sometimes say peace on a home run or goodbye, sir. And I never really thought of them as like catchphrases, but I would just use them. And so then when I started doing some play by play for the Yankees, both of those things came out really early on. Uh, first in my spring training games, and Michael and Don just, like, crushed me for it. That was when I was a part of their show on Yes, and they just were relentless about it. And my boss was a little bit, too. And then in the regular season, I broke them out in Houston in my first regular season series. Um, And I think the first piece I used 
Didi was on deck and Chase Headley hit this bomb home run to left field in Houston. And John Flaherty goes like, I'm, I, I'm like, John, where did that land? And he's like, I'm just trying to react to the piece. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so for my, my 30th birthday, one of the guys in the Yankees uh, scoreboard department, uh, Pete Gurgley, who him and Brandon Mim and Greg Colello run uh, – uh, Yankees on demand and, and the in-house stuff for the Yankees, and they're great at it. Pete was working with one of my best friends, Deep, to put together a 30th birthday video for me that was a surprise to me, total surprise. Um, and uh, it was a whole script that was written out by Justin Shackle, who's one of my best friends and who is the um, in-house host now at Yankee Stadium. Uh, and, uh, and the premise of the piece was I'm using peace and I'm about to use P I E C P E A C. The premise of the of the of the thirtieth birthday piece was starting with that moment where I used the peace home run call and it being like this dark moment in my career. And how did I come back from it? Well, you in order to know that you have to know where I came from. And so they started off the peace home run call as like almost like the dramatic moment uh, of like crucial circumstance in a 30 for 30. Didi, Didi is like, I was on deck and I was just like, peace, peace, really peace. So like, and then the, 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 the piece they put together for me is amazing. It is people from my career and my life, my friends, my family, everybody. Um, and them reacting, you know, to me with warm wishes and, and whatnot, but also having fun with the peace home run call, and Didi kind of roasts me for it uh, in the video. So that is where uh, it comes from. Didi actually that summer he had spent a couple weeks uh, learning different video editing systems with our Yankees on demand guys at the stadium. He would just come in every day and work with them, um, just because he's fascinated by it. Um, and so the starting shortstop for the Yankees would do that. Yes. That's that. insane. It's crazy, right? And I don't know how many people know that story, um, but like he would come in and, and he would he was just like really interested in learning about video editing. Um, and so that was when they were making this piece for my birthday. And uh, and Dee Dee and I have a good relationship anyway. And he has a great relationship with uh, with those guys, with Pete and Brandon and Greg Colello. So he he jumped on and, and played that role in the piece and, and uh, that they put together and. Uh, it's so funny. He's still to this day now. Whenever you may have seen on my Instagram, like recently, I put up a video of him, him like uh, me asking him what's his favorite home run call, and him doing peace because he, <laughs> he still he still gets a kick out of it. That's awesome. That's really good. It's funny you mentioned kind of starting out with the Yankees, and you know we <laughs> everything's on Wikipedia, and you you do interview you do interviews with guys like us, so um, you know a, a lot's out there. But you know you used to do statistician stuff. You, I mean, you've, you've kind of rose through the ranks with the Yankees, which I know in this industry isn't really how things necessarily work. But you kind of rose up like the Yankees are a normal business. You, you kind of kept jumping up. I mean, what, what was that like? Is, was that, I mean, I know you, you wanted to be a Yankees guy from the start, but like, what, what, what's kind of that path been like? So, you know, I, um, it's interesting in this sense that like I always, there are a couple things, like if I go and I talk to college students or something, right, like, uh, or, or, you know, young people trying to get into this business. And there are a lot of different things, you know, I'll highlight and emphasize, but two of them that come to mind that are relevant to the question you asked me is like, one, I will, I'll tell them, you know, to always like follow your nose. And that was something that was said to me by Andrew Jarecki, who uh, was the uh, keynote speaker 
at my high school graduation, Hackley, in Tarrytown, and he was an alum of there. He, uh, with his friend, started Movie Phone, um, and now Andrew's become a really good director. Uh, he did, like, the Jinx, amongst other things. And he literally started that company and ended up making a ton of money off of it just by following his nose. And his point, I'm getting a little philosophical for you guys, but I'll bring it back, I promise. <laughs> no, I love it. His, his point was, you know, imagine you are, you are talking to um, a school that's known as being a college factory, right? Where like a third of the students in my grade are going to like Ivy League schools. And so imagine how manicured the idea of your future and your progress is uh, based on kind of the way you, you've been cultivated, right? And then to have someone sit up there and say like, hey, it's okay to kind of divert from that path, just follow your nose, was a message that I think sunk in with a lot of people uh in, in my grade, it was particularly um, important for, you know, uh, the, the kids that we had there. I'm lucky my parents kind of always told me that, but I always remember Andrew saying it. And so when I was a freshman at Loyola, I was miserable. And uh, I was miserable because I had a girlfriend who I was in love with who was back in New York, and I was in Baltimore, and I wanted to be back with her. And, and so consciously, I thought, well, the best thing for my career um, academically at this moment, even though I know I want to be a broadcaster, right, is to stay at Loyola. I started a campus radio state, a radio show there. I felt really good about the academic situation, and I thought I shouldn't leave, and to leave for a girl would be stupid. But at the same time, I felt like I wasn't myself, and I was just like, I need to get closer to New York because something's off with me. Like, I'm not I'm not myself. I'm, like, I'm usually a really positive, happy-go-lucky guy, and I'm, I'm angry, and and, you know, and, and it's just like, this isn't right. So I transfer to Fordham. My number one reason for transferring to Fordham is to be closer to my girlfriend at the time, right? But it ends up the best thing for my career because Fordham's broadcast program with WFUV is amazing. And it opens doors that I never would have even seen had I not transferred. If you would ask me at that moment, if I want to be a professional broadcaster, should I stay at Loyola or go to Fordham? I would have said stay at Loyola. And I was almost embarrassed to admit the real reason I was transferring. And it's so ironic that it ended up being that girl's long con. But the <laughs> career obviously was, you know, buoyed and, and really like based off of that decision and what I learned at Fordham. And so while at Fordham, I had the opportunity to be an intern with the Yankees. And my whole mentality, and this is the other thing I'll always tell kids, like when you go into any situation, right, you have to like focus on your work ethic and being a great teammate. And that's it. Like you can't go into the internship day one and say, this is what I ultimately want to do or whatever. How do I get a full-time job here? Because nobody there gives a crap about you. Yeah, and nor should they until they get to really know you and become invested in you. And then they end up asking those things anyway. So when I was an intern, and this is kind of work ethic that my dad always instilled in me, like my whole mentality was like, I'm just going to crush whatever tasks they give me, you know? And so I was just trying to be like a super intern at Yes. I was 19, I was at Fordham, and, um, and I would just like transcribe tape, run errands, do whatever I had to do. Well, at the end of that, they were so pleased with just kind of the, the little tasks that I did for them, and they saw I kind of knew the game and, and whatnot, that... Uh, when they had uh, their statistician spot open up for half the slate, they were like, hey, would you be interested? You're right here at Fordham. We like you. We know you work hard, whatever. I was like, absolutely. Now, I've never done stats, but I was like, I'm going to find a way to do this, you know, as well as I can, too. And so Michael ended up loving me doing stats, and I ended up going from doing half the slate in 2007 to the full thing in 08, 
And during that year in 08, then I was a senior at Fordham, and I was our lead play-by-play guy. And so now these people at Yes had gotten to know me through being an intern and then through doing stats. And, you know, we had developed relationships and got along really well, and they started being like, oh, you know, what do you what do you want to do? What do you like to do? Oh, you know, I want to be a play-by-play guy. Oh, really? And they started listening to me because, you know, I'm right there at WFUV. And John Moore, our director, and Kevin Smolin, our producer at the time, both listened to me and reached out and were like, whoa, we think you're, like, we didn't realize you, you could really do this. And then Michael listened to me, and he felt the same way. And so they kind of uh, then steered me towards uh, John Filipelli, our boss, and he started uh, to get interested in that part of my work as well. Um, and he gave me a couple uh, college basketball games. There were Fordham games on Yes the year after I graduated. And then that turned into uh, a random Nets game when I was 23. And then that turned into some more Nets games and then being the Nets backup. And then as I was doing that and I was starting to do more at ESPN radio, then uh, Swift came to me and Woody Fryman as well and said, like, hey, um, we'd like to put you on Yankee stuff too. And, uh, and I was doing the scoreboard stuff at the time as well. Um, and I was like, yeah, absolutely amazing. So it really was like one thing fueled another, which fueled another. And, and they, you know, it, it kept piling up. But I was incredibly fortunate in that the people there really, you know, they kind of like helped me evolve and grow and looked out for me. You know, um, I mean, John Filipelli and Woody Fryman, like they constantly looked for opportunities for me. Um, but I think it started with them liking me and the other people, you know, who work for yes, liking me as an intern and, and as a statistician and then kind of getting to know me and what I wanted to do. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's some journey. That is, that's probably a lot. I gave you about a nine minute answer, but now you have yeah. to Hey, we're over here like blown away. I mean, that's just crazy. I want to go into Fordham for a little bit. Do you, we wanted to ask you, cause you're in this long line now of prestigious Fordham grads who are now doing sports broadcasting. If you have a Mount Rushmore, Tough. Of uh, Fordham broadcasters. Fordham broadcasters. So I have to pick a top four? Yeah. Uh, you know what's so hard about these things? I'll try and do it. I'll try and do it. But what's so hard about these things is I have such relationships <laughs> with everybody on them, you know? So it's like, it's like it's so hard to, to do because it's like if I don't mention this person, then it's like, ah. All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll make it easier. We got Vince Gully and Kay. We can put them on there. Who are two Fordham broadcasters that the average Yankee fan probably hasn't heard? They're doing something somewhere else, crushing it. Okay, well, I mean, I would say Breen would have to be on the Mount Rushmore as well, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Mike Breen, obviously, mm-hmm. the voice yep. of the NBA. But he, he would obviously have to be on there. Um, who are some Fordham broadcasters that – I mean, look, it, other guys just in this market who are terrific at what they do, uh, who people ha- – have very much heard of, but it's awesome because they're also Fordham guys. Chris Carino, who does a tremendous job as the radio voice of the Nets, um, and he's someone who taught me a ton about basketball play-by-play when I was in college, actually. Um, and then Bob Papa does the Giants on radio. Oh, yeah. Such a terrific job. He's a Fordham grad. He, too, taught me a ton um, when I was uh, when I was in college. Um, and I, I'll even bring up a guy like Jack Curry, who obviously doesn't do play-by-play, but he's so tremendous in his role as reporter slash analyst for us now at Yes. And he was a guy, the first guys, him and Sweeney Murdy, who's not a Fordham grab, but I love him anyway. Um, <laughs> him and Sweeney were really the guys who made me feel comfortable in the Yankees clubhouse as a young kid, like beat reporting at 19 and 20 years old for WFUV. Um, so 
Uh, but like Charlie Slows, the radio voice of the Nationals, I believe he still is. He's a Fordham. Uh, he's a Fordham grad. There's so many. Bogish, yeah, a- Andrew Bogish, who does fantastic stuff uh, for CBS and, and does stuff uh, for tennis. He's a Fordham grad. Uh, Connell McShane, who was on IMIS for a lot of years and just left to go do stuff uh, for Fox on TV. He's a Fordham guy. Tony Reale is a Fordham guy. Oh, you know? wow. So Spiro, yeah. Spiro Didis, who did the Lakers for a while and now yeah. does CBS, he just bumped him. So I know for me, when I was there, the guy I looked at as my kind of like example to strive for was Spiro because he was young and doing it at a professional level. And I was like, oh, he went to Fordham. He's the voice of the Lakers at 24, 25. Like, I can do it too. Um, and so I always looked at him as like an example for me to strive for. Yeah, well, that's cool. you're doing it at 23, it turns out. Yeah, man. <laughs> now you're the youngest guy uh, in the booth for Yes. And you also have kind of adapted to the new media. You have the podcast. You're active on Instagram. Do you feel that just comes natural to you? Because you're kind of bridging the gap from, you know, not that everyone else is old, but you are the definitely on the new school side of things and relating and communicating to the fans that you were talking to. Yeah, man. I think, I think it does come natural to me because it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, I think also hosting a talk show at the time I did, like Twitter, um, first uh, kind of exploded onto the scene. I was hosting uh, radio with Robin Lumberg and then eventually with uh, Stephen A. Smith and Dave Rothenberg. But like, so it, that was like right in the wheelhouse uh, of, uh, of like uh, a useful tool for us uh, for, for hosting. So I think that, you know, that kind of helped me. Um, and I think being a little younger, like anything technological helps you to sort of embrace it and absorb it and adapt to it. Um, so you know, because I'm, you know, young for uh, our field when it comes to broadcasting, you know, and there is a, a connection or a synergy between social media and what we do broadcast-wise. I think it probably does help a little bit, um, you know, for a person like me who's younger to be able to deal with, you know, deal with both. I mean, truthfully, though, like, uh, you know, I, I think there are a lot of dangers about, social media just because like we don't fully comprehend chemically what it does to our brain to uh you know be addicted the way that we are and you know the 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 effect of the constant need for a dopamine hit and things along those lines and so if i got to a place where i thought i could avoid um using social media uh and still uh you know build the connection to fans that i want to I probably would, um, and and hopefully someday I, I, I can figure that out. Um, but uh, but for now, I, I do enjoy the way I'm able to connect to the fans uh, with it, even if it means trying to navigate become addicted uh, to that technology, uh, to social media, um, and the podcast. You know, I just love because it's a way for us to have fun and have uh, you know have interesting conversations and storytelling. Um, in kind of a free-flowing medium that's not as, like, rigid um, or structured uh, or, or as consistent um, as uh, as Daily Radio was. Yeah, and I, I want to spin into the podcast because that's that's really where I got involved, to be honest. Because, Jimmy, uh, you, you mentioned before we kind of hopped on, 
I mean, he was watching Yankee games. He's got a video editing background. He was doing the live gifts, and he was starting to get Yankee famous on Twitter, which was awesome. And then he was like, well, let's let's spin it to kind of podcast, something like that. And that's where I got involved because it's better than him kind of just talking to himself and letting his mind run crazy a little bit. It turned into something super cool. I mean, now you type in Yankees, our, our stuff pops up, and that's that's kind of the – that's when you see it in our friends' eyes or, like, our parents' eyes. They kind of light up. You, you type in Yankees into iTunes, and you see, you see us on there sometimes and it's it's pretty wild i mean pretty cool man yeah (laughs) hey we're talking to you right now so um (laughs) i mean the r2c2 stuff i want to start with the the half gimmicky fun question and then just kind of let you talk about that a little bit more but so cc's calling a sick day he's pulling the the fake rolled ankle he pulled in in spring training (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) okay so you confirm that thank you Uh, Uh, i don't know what you're talking (laughs) good well well done Uh, but so cc's taking a sick day and you got to you had to pick one guy from the 25 man to run out an r2c2 podcast with something like that who who are you picking and then and then a little more in the pod yeah. So and what is that? A replacement co-host from the 25-man roster. Okay. So my a replacement co-host, I would say it would be between Dylan, okay. um, because Dylan is, uh, you know, I'm I'm close with Dylan as well. Dylan's super close with CC. Uh, we have a lot of the same interests. He's a huge basketball fan, um, and he's like. He's funny. Like he's a, he seems like very low key, but he's a really funny guy, and like he's just a great dude. Um, I would say either him or Didi. Didi, Didi has like so much personality, and like he he has a lot of energy. And it's funny. Him and Hicks had such a good time doing the podcast last year. They're excited to do it again uh, with all of us. So, uh, so I would say so. Hicks could be in that running too, but I'd say somewhere between Dell and Didi or Hicks would be the best. Uh, replacement there i'd probably give Dellen the slight edge okay i didn't see Dellen coming i, I thought dd might be the answer just because dd seems like he's good at everything he is he and he and he loves and he wants to get into this stuff and that so he he's a he's a good answer he's he's a that was a good guess by you because he would be if you're asking me to choose between him and Dellen for the co-host job it would be tough well you can't do r2d2 anyway so that's he, they're out for now <laughs> that's right that's right man very true. So I know you guys have done your dream guest on the podcast before yourselves. Is there any guests coming up? We had Gardner, we had Judge. Any future guests lined up that uh, you can share? You know what? Cece and I are going to do, um, we're actually going to do a wish list for each other. We've alluded to this challenge, but yep. we're going to present it at the start of the season where I'm going to give him five names and he's going to give me five names. And then the other person has to deliver one of those five names before the end of 2018 that's um, fun so like i'm i, I think i i'm close to having my list ready i can tell you that daisy ridley who plays ray in star wars is definitely going to be nice. on it i can tell you that for sure i am debating putting eminem on it um <laughs> because he cc's very close with paul rosenberg eminem's manager so there's a possibility of making that happen uh but i also know you know, um, like that, it, like there's a chance maybe we could make that happen outside of the wish list because of CC's connection. So, <laughs> I'm getting, getting, getting greedy with that one. Yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, and I'm curious who CC's going to throw my way. I could see him trying to throw like someone from Game of Thrones in or something like that because we're both huge Game of Thrones fans. But as far as 
the guests coming up that we have booked. The next episode, Cece and I did ourselves in Tampa. We had some friends who were in the studio, so we're going to see what kind of an edit job we do with their uh, <laughs> peanut gallery banter in the background. Um, but and then during the season this year, um, I'm doing a little more play-by-play uh, for Yes, uh, and I'm doing uh, uh, a little more uh, reporting. So I'll be with the team a little bit more. So we will we'll likely do some fun ones from the road. I'm going to be in Toronto, and I'm going to be in uh, uh, Kansas City and Texas and, uh, and uh, Chicago. So we're going to come up with some good ones uh, for people who are like pertinent to those cities. Uh, but we're still in the, in the planning process of that. But we're going to be recording all season. You know, I mean, obviously the main thing has to be the main thing, as Pat Riley likes to say. So, like, CC is not going to, you know, miss a bullpen to record a podcast, and I'm not going to – you know, miss a broadcast to record a podcast, but like it works out that during the day on the road, it's really as long as CC's not pitching that day, it's not bad for us to record at like 11 a.m. or noon or 10 a.m. or whatever. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna do some fun ones throughout the season, and you know we're we're gonna try and stay on the every week schedule. There might be some times where it's every other um, based on you know what's going on, but. But we're uh, CC loves it, I love it, and we love doing it together. So I think I think we'll have some good ones throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, and Yankee fans love it. It's it's you get to hear the players talk like you've never heard them before, which is kind of fun. It was like A Rod got on there and just dropped five f bombs in a row. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. Me and CC were looking at each other like so. We told we we told Alex, but Alex is a is a good friend to both of us, and we told him before we're like, hey man, just so you know, like you can curse if you want to, like you know you don't have to, but like you can you, you can you can curse if you want to. It's kind of up to you if you think that's like part of your brand or not or whatever, you know. Um, and it's like me and Cece, like we're looking at each other because we almost started like dying laughing because it was like a switch went off in Alex's mind. And he was like, oh, yeah, I can curse. I'm going to get them all out right now. <laughs> it was... like, it, it, he just like he's like, F this, F that, F this, F that, like all within like, you know, a minute of each other. And we're like, what is going on? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, man, I think, you know, we, you know, w- we like the idea of creating that setting where. You know, guys feel comfortable to, uh, you know, show a little more of their personality and share stories that maybe otherwise they wouldn't. Um, and uh, and obviously, you know, being with a teammate like CC puts them more at ease. Um, and then uh, and then also having the format uh, that's just, you know, it's a little more free flowing and there's more time, you know, and so you can go into the weeds a little bit more rather than just having to play all the hits. Um, because, you know, I know from doing radio shows, like if you have a guest on for 10 minutes, it's like, okay, I got to hit this, this, and this, you know, like, and, and they're promoting this and whatever. And it's like, it's harder to get really in depth on things. So you just don't have that kind of time, you know? So with the podcast, obviously you're afforded more time to really dive into some more unique things. And, and I think it's a, allowed these guys to, to show the fans uh, a different side of them or to show them a little more detail than they're used to. Yeah, that's great. And it's working well. And I think it's, I mean, I don't know if you guys, you guys have to be the number one Yankees podcast on the list. I don't. Know, I don't think you guys got to change that so you come up when. Is it a Yankees podcast? Technically, it's pop culture and sports. I don't know. Does it not uh, come up? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, I know our iTunes rankings are strong whenever we release an episode, and they usually hold strong for a little bit. You know, after the episode, I think if we release more regularly, then it would be you know even more impressive. But uh, but you know, the coolest thing for us is just like you know, where this isn't obviously a main gig for either of us. It's just something we really yeah. have fun doing, and we really enjoy it. And the fact that other people like are now looking forward to it, and 
and like they've made a part of their commute or like you know they're messaging us they're so excited that anytime there's a new episode like that's so rewarding and that's so fun for us just to be able to you know try and create some content that like you know with all these options out there that people find interesting it's it's that's the that's the coolest part yep I'm in the same boat. I mean, I I know that CC jokes that you read every single review, and I'm doing because I just started. We're not even a year in, and we uh, we're growing a really great uh, you know following of listeners that are pretty loyal and really. Awesome, right? It's it's, it's really cool feeling. All right, we'll let you go, but I have one more question, and this is kind of just to entertain our minds. We saw John Sterling today, and he was wearing a full tracksuit with no undershirt and a gold chain. Is that how John Sterling dresses for every radio broadcast? Was he really? I have, I have a picture of it. It was on incredible. My, on my, um, we took a picture with him and Susan in the background, and you can see the outfit in the back. It was incredible. That is amazing. <laughs> um, I, I can confirm that John does not wear that during radio broadcasts. Um, he is always in a suit, even though he wouldn't have to be because it's radio, not TV. He's still always is dressed for the nines and looks great. But... I can say that I aspire to be able to wear a tracksuit like that with the boldness of John Sterling because that man is a boss and he'll be able to rock whatever he wants. <laughs> he, he was. It was It was crazy. It was like, all right, go. Get That's when you've made it. That's yeah. Hall of Fame That's stuff. Well, you know what, man? This is good news for CeCe because as you guys uh, know, I'm sure from hearing him reference on previous R2C2 episodes, like he would love to do games someday but he will not wear a suit. So maybe John is providing him with the blueprint for how to get this done. Jersey's only broadcast. That's it, man. That's it. Yeah, no. C wants to be in, like, sweats and, and, a, and, a, and a hoodie or something like that. I feel that because, I mean, some people, you put on a suit, it's just you get miserable. We saw CeCe running up and down on that hill in the back, and we were going to, like, yell something, and it was like, no one wants to be yelled at while they're running up and down a big hill. You know, you know what? If you see him while you're in Tampa, you just tell him you're a big fan of R2C2. I think he takes those compliments more to heart now than even like I love your pitching. Like I think he I think he loves hearing people say like that they love the podcast. Awesome. That's pretty cool. All right, well everyone listening, go the thank Ryan for coming on and go listen to R2C2. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you guys for having me, man. Continued success. Love what you guys are doing and I appreciate uh the interest and, and, and having me on and best of luck uh this upcoming season to both of you. Thank you. And Thank you very much. Love to talk Yankees sometime <laughs> if, you, if you get a chance. You got it. Well, I'll come back anytime. You guys let me know. That's All right. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that was Ryan Rucco. As you can tell, he was the coolest, nicest guy. We were really, really happy. Hopefully, we will take him up on the offer to have him back later in the season. And also, another big thing that we need to tell you for this week, the Runyon 5K. It's a walk, run, 5K around Yankee Stadium on April 15th. I, John Boy, Jimmy, will be there trying to talk to fans. Come. Use the code TALKINGYANKS. We'll get you $5 off to enter. You get to walk on the warning track. You go all around the concourse. Through the stadium. Through the stadium. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be there, and then I'll be at the next two or one of the next two games versus Miami on the 16th, 17th. And I'm looking to meet people and say hi and talk Yanks. That's what we like doing. Thanks for listening. Everyone, go tweet at Ryan Rucco and thank him for coming on the show so he knows that you appreciate it and enjoyed the conversation. Okay, we're also going to announce the winner of the Brian Hoke book that we 
are giving away. He signed it for us. Super nice guy. You heard the interview yesterday. We tweeted out. Said you had to retweet a certain tweet in order to win. You also have to be listening to the podcast right now and hear your name. DM us or email us at TalkingYanks.com. Mostly DM us because you are on Twitter. Let us know that you heard. I am scrubbing through the list of people that follow right now. I'm asking for Jake. Jake, can you say stop whenever you want to? And it landed on Zach at N-Y-Y-Z-D-W-98, New York Yankees, Zach Dog Weird 98 I'm not sure that's what it stands for, but you got the Brian Hoke book. Signed copy of Baby Bombers. DM us, and we will ship it to you. Thanks, guys. That line steaming hot takes. Your Yankees news with these two fine dudes. It's time for Talking Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake.